0: Hello, this is Mike Ghetto and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hops. Welcome to the fourth episode of uh, this the second year's uh, podcast of Beer, Baseball, and Binds. Uh, we are at Varietal Brewing in Sunnyside, uh, where we just finished up a, a grower meeting talking about hops. But uh, on the phone today with us, we've got Steve Luke, who is the owner, founder, and head brewer for Cloudburst Brewing in Seattle, Washington, and uh, a guy that makes some really great beer. But uh, before we get to to Steve, uh, Steve Carpenter, um, we've had uh, quite a spring this year for the hops, and uh, I know we just finished our meeting here, and uh, a little bit of nervousness yet because the babies aren't getting planted at the pace that everybody would like, or at least as early as they would like, but Maybe give a little flavor of what's going on uh, right now in, in uh, hop uh, planting.
1: Sure. It was nice kind of uh, rubbing shoulders with uh, growers this afternoon and getting caught up on what's going out in the fields. Here in the Yakima Valley, we had that late, late snowfall, and it stuck for about six weeks, and that just put growers a little bit behind with their uh, planting. And uh, I was out to a uh, farm last week, and I was a little bit surprised to see they were still digging ruts. Uh, the eyes on that thing are a couple we- a couple inches long, and I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. We're going to have to monitor the baby crop uh, this year. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, uh, citra and mosaic going in the ground to kind of keep up with demand, so we'll, we'll monitor that and make sure we're okay. Down in Oregon, um, I saw some photos a couple weeks ago of some uh, uh, hop yards uh, near the Willamette River that had the trellis, uh, about three feet of the trellis sticking up. Uh, Uh, because the Willamette River was uh, overflowing. Uh, But they seem to have drained now, and they seem to be in good shape. This is not something that happens every year, but it happens on a fairly regular basis down there. And I'm looking forward to being in Idaho next week. Uh, Those guys down there probably had the best spring. Uh, Their snow melt happened a little bit earlier than ours, and they were able to get out in the fields and get their roots dug and planted.
0: Steve, you had mentioned to me something about the roots and the eyes, and, and you're a little bit concerned about that. Can you talk a little bit more about yeah. that? So,
1: so the uh, the by the time they got the roots dug this year, they were rather advanced. And uh, typically, that uh, rhizome, which is what it is physiologically, is uh, uh, has a couple eyes on it, and those eyes are what uh, kind of grows into the uh, uh, the plant and. When they're out there two inches, you got to be very careful planting them, or you'll knock that eye off, and then what you have in the ground is just a, a stick. That and won't th- and that anything. won't grow at all. No, it won't. Yeah. It yeah. won't. So luckily they put multiple uh, slips per hill in, in the hopes that if one doesn't take, they all will. But uh, we'll monitor that. We'll let our listeners know what's going on. I don't anticipate a huge problem. It's just something we need to look at as the season goes on
0: and then how about roots versus pots you know there's 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 kind of both methods to try to yeah. get the the babies going and what's the difference between them and is there an advantage or disadvantage to yeah. either way of doing that
1: most growers i think prefer roots, but they prefer roots that they can get into the ground end of february first part of march mm-hmm. and we still had snow on the ground till about the 20th to 25th of March this mm-hmm. year. so of uh, the little pots bit are behind. just an
0: extra handling, is that why they a don't little, prefer that? A little extra that?
1: handling, uh, they can set them out in the fields a little bit later in the season. Uh, typically they don't quite yield as much as what the uh, the rhizomes will planted early, but it's still a viable option for especially when you're planting a variety that uh, is in high demand and, and uh, rootstock uh, is uh, not as available.
0: So a year like this where the babies are going in late, uh, potential impact will be maybe a little bit less yield on the babies, but that, by the same way, the uh, all of the snow that we had should lead to maybe a better yield on the more mature uh, hops. Is that a fair yeah, statement? Yeah, the,
1: the, the late root cutting will not affect the older established plants. It's just the baby fields. And, You know, it's just kind of a rule of thumb that if you have a late winter with extra snow cover, it makes the uh, season a little bit easier in terms of pest control. That's just kind of the rule of thumb there. But we'll we'll monitor that and uh, keep our listeners up to date with what's going on.
0: Right now we've had beautiful weather. It's uh, more or less 65 to 72 degrees during the day, bright sunny days here, still cool nights. This is at least from a... From working in the field's perspective, this is almost ideal weather, right? At least you can feel like you can do a lot on a given day. Uh,
1: the weather's ideal. Uh, the challenge with the growers is just packing a lot more labor into a shorter period of time. And there's there's some farms that are complaining about uh, you know not finding the people to get out there to get some of the things done.
0: But Everybody out there is working really hard right now. Exactly. So they, they, they could deserve a good beer, and maybe they'll get a cloud burst because... Uh, we're, we you know, every week we drink beer from the people we're talking with, and uh, and Steve was uh, Steve Luke was uh, um, kind enough to send up a couple of his beers, and we're drinking a uh, it's called really solid, amazing liquid IPA, and it's uh, it truly is amazing. Uh, it's really really good. So Steve, welcome to our podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, maybe start off telling us a little bit about this beer. What do you got in this one?
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh... Really solid, amazing liquid is with uh, mostly mosaic hops, uh, Simcoe hops, and then some Amarillo. Uh, we keep the light bill pretty uh, pretty low to a minimum to kind of let the hops shine. Um, our house yeast is pretty additive too, so it kind of uh, brings out some bitterness and some brightness in those hops when it finishes uh, crisp and dry. Um, so yeah. It's pretty. It's,
1: uh, I I have to hand it to you, Steve. It is a really solid, amazing liquid. <laughs>
0: it is good. <laughs> hey, Steve, when you're, you know, when you are choosing your mosaic and, and the one you have in this one, are you looking for a particular profile? And as you do that, are you more on the side of wanting an early picked mosaic or a, a late picked mosaic, or how? how when you, because I know you come up for selection, and how, how do you go about? Uh, uh, making your choices on, on what you're picking.
2: Uh, for mosaic, from, I mean, in, in most varieties, kind of all being a little closer to the early side than the later side. Um, I think this mosaic that we selected this year, uh, is actually some Idaho mosaic. Hmm. Um, great. And then that Simcoe in there is from, I believe Shin and Son. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, we we tend to kind of favor brighter fruitiness. I mean, Mosaic will always kind of have a savory element, I think, to me. And, and that's why it's one of those hops that, you know, it's a five-tool player. It yeah. can carry a beer. You can kind of build a beer around a Mosaic because it has fruit. Um, it has some spice. It has some savory elements. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty easy for brewers to to work with, you know, when you have so many things, so many favorable qualities and hop
1: yeah. like that. When I think of Kyle Shin, the first thing I think of is fruity, so uh, that's <laughs> a, <laughs> Kyle's a friend of mine, so I can say that, hopefully. and he's Kyle's not, a good good <laughs> grower and a good guy. That, yeah, yep, no. no doubt about it. We had a couple of his people here at our meeting and uh, had a chance to get caught up with what's going on out at the farm, but uh, hey, how about those Seattle Mariners, uh, Steve? Have you been following them so far? Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, it started off, you know,
1: literally unbelievable.
2: Uh, yeah. I think I think going into this season I had such low expectations. You know, this is kind of one of those years where it's a, it's a rebuilding year. It's kind of a, a year where you're just trying to set yourself up because the Mariners can have a winning season a few years down the road. And coming out of the gate is so hot. It's it's nice to be excited at the Mariners, you know, at, at one point during the season which is
1: great yeah well they started off 13 and two and since then we've kind of regressed to the mean so to speak um, in, in terms of the record so far but
0: hey if you play 500 ball all the way from 13 and 2 you're still 11 games over at the end of the year that's not bad so. yeah
1: it's uh, it, it's amazing uh, to look at and I, I did this the last couple of years I, I've taken the final playoff teams and then subtracted the April. And it's amazing how different the playoff teams look by subtracting what happens in April. So mm-hmm. hopefully they can keep it up. And uh, we've got the Rangers coming into town. Uh, do you have any plans to see any of the games, Steve?
2: Yeah, so we'll be going there uh, tomorrow. Uh, it's my first game of the season. Usually we, we go there for opening day, but we were out of town this year. Um, and we tend to do a, you know, a entire company brewery kind of shut down and, and bring everybody to a game at some point in the middle of the summer so we've nice. got a game scheduled in july but um, excited for our first game tomorrow
0: do you hang out right up in left field so you can go to the <laughs> uh the corner up there with all of the great craft beer that's where that's where we go
2: as a brewery but the uh, game tomorrow the bank is taking us so we're going to be in some like you know fancy seats
1: there you go. Well,
0: that means you're doing well because if you aren't doing well, they they don't they make you sit outside and just listen to it. They don't even let you sit inside, so it's, you're doing something right. Yes.
2: Yeah. That's true. That's that's true, you know. It's not a bad perk.
1: Yeah. Well, I tell you, you, keep making beer like this and that bank's going to like you an awful lot here over the next uh, few years. <laughs>
0: Hey, hey Steve, you know, uh, Brewers Association came out, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago and talked about 2018. I think they said overall uh, U.S. craft volume was up about four percent. I, I I have to imagine you guys are at a little bit faster pace than that. Uh, how, how's Cloudburst doing, and uh, what what's going on with your brewery? Well, yeah, we it's it's kind of counterintuitive to
2: say
0: it is a
2: business owner, but we're not growth-driven, and so, um, we're up every year, but we're kind of getting to that point where we'll probably just stop and, and plateau at about, uh, 2,500 barrels, maybe, you know, maybe touch 3,000, but, um, once we're kind of in that place, we're, we're happy to kind of hang out there, um, you know, it keeps me in the brew house and not in the office, mm-hmm. um, it allows us to have a small staff that all wear a lot of hats, so none of us kind of get fatigued doing the same thing every day. Um, and so it, it kind of just keeps it more personal um, at, at a small level, and and I think that's kind of, it keeps us a little bit more insulated in this growing industry, too, where there's so many more options every day. Um, so, you know, remaining small and kind of happy and Feeling
1: comfortable with where you are is kind of what our our goal is. Uh, I, I love your location. So it's not I, I really love thanks. your location there. I mean, it's it's uh, a friend of mine who I directed there when he was over for a, a Mariner game earlier in the year. He says, well, that's just kind of a hole in the wall. Well, that's what makes it so cool is you can go there and uh, have a great it's beer. always full. Yep. The beer is always amazing, and the atmosphere there is just top-notch.
0: But I think you hit it right, Steve. Thank you, yeah. I think you hit it right, Steve, and that is, uh, you know, it's not just brewing. I mean, kind of the secret of life is being comfortable in your own skin and finding what, what it is that's making you happy and being part of that community where you are and uh, making good beer. And and, and, and and that's what people don't always realize. You know, I keep looking at some of these uh, big big breweries and what they're trying to do sometimes, and it's like, well, why are you really trying to do that? and of lose sight of what you started with in the first place so
1: you started off your uh, career there at Elysian right right Steve yeah I
2: mean actually I started my career at Allagash Brewing back in 2005
0: ah, okay. but uh,
2: uh, Elysian was where I was there bef- right before uh, Cloudburst
1: okay
0: yeah and are you from back east or you're from uh, you're from Seattle area I'm from back east
2: so I was Raised in New England,
0: Connecticut
2: and Mass uh,
0: mostly, so I actually grew up a New York Mets fan uh, <laughs> okay. back in the day. So what? Uh, so, uh, so what were the first teams you started watching uh, when you were a kid? What, what kind? What? Uh, who were on those teams, and uh, who were your favorite players when you were a kid, just starting to watch baseball? Uh, I mean, like early, early
2: mid '90s uh, Mets. So, like, you know, Hojo, Howard Johnson was there you go. my favorite player for a while.
0: Third base, yep. Uh,
2: then, you know, you get a bit older with Mets. Got Mike Piazza as a catcher. Uh, the subway series was like, exciting. But the other thing with being a Mets fan is that you're also just used to underperforming and, and you know, <laughs> a disappointment at the end of the
0: season. So. It's like our good friend John Siegel, who's a long-suffering Mets fan and, uh, no, i mean they've had some good teams you, you talk about the subway series in piazza i mean you know who can forget uh roger clemens on that broken piece of uh piazza's
1: bat oh, that yeah. time so yep, throwing it back at each other yep. yeah yeah when,
0: so when did you move out to uh seattle steve
2: uh 2010
0: 2010 okay so you've, uh, yeah. you've you've been a, you've 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 had a shorter period of uh, being a suffering <laughs> Mariners fan. Poor Steve Carpenter here is uh, he suffered all the way back to the Seattle Pilots. So, uh, <laughs> you,
1: you know, the first uh, spring training I went to, Steve, was two thousand one, when we had that amazing season of one hundred and sixteen wins, and we picked up this skinny kid from uh, Japan named Ichiro that uh, uh, kind of spoiled us because we had that one amazing season and haven't been back to the playoffs since. So I'm, I'm hoping this is the year. What what do you think our chances are? Oh, oh boy, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't think the chances are that
2: good this year. I, I, uh, just because of how young everybody is, I mean, it, yeah. last year really kind of kept us involved. Uh, with how they were, they were really kind of like hanging on, and had had some good, good series down the stretch. But I don't know. I, I every year I hope it's the year, and maybe they can't. Maybe they, maybe they really can kind of hang on and, and ride around. You know, uh, some of these younger teams that have made the playoffs recently, with the the Astros and the Royals. You know, the, yeah. the Mariners kind of have a little have a little bit of that magic going on right now.
1: Yeah. No doubt about it. And I think that's kind of DePoto's plan is to kind of build a young core like the Astros did uh, a few years back and then uh, ride that as long as they can. Um, I know I put together an annual little report of spring training and all of my friends expect me to guess how many games we're going to win. And I, I think I had 72 games down just based on watching a uh, significant lack of defense with the young guys and also uh, a little bit concerned about the, uh, uh, the bullpen without Edwin Diaz uh, going to the Mets and, and doing fine there. Uh, but uh, these guys, I, I, I guess if you can hit a lot of home runs every game, you can kind of make up for a lack of uh, defense and pitching. That's kind of what we've seen so far. <laughs>
0: Well, it's kind of weird. I mean, right now, where it's become not only popular but accepted or acceptable that you can have a team that's not going to have a winning record as long as the fans believe you're building for the future, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Mariners, they're kind of that was the expectation, but they've come out of the, the, the starting gate very strongly. And so you look at the Western Division, and other than the Astros, who else is in that? I mean, the the poor Angels and Trout are going to be in last place for a long time. Rangers are rebuilding. So you really only have a couple of teams there. In the Central, it's the Indians and and my favorite, Twins. You know, the only ones that have any chance. The East still has a a couple of people. And, and, you know, the the Rays are obviously off to a good start, and the Red Sox off to a bad one. But you can kind of, if you can get through to July or August, and you, you, there's only like a handful of teams that have a legitimate shot at, at going for it. And everybody else is going to leave anybody that's trade bait or whatever aside. And yeah. if the Mariners do get into July or August and they're five or ten games above 500, yeah. then what do you do, right? Do you, yeah. do you, do you trade away a, a future building block for that yeah. one shot? Or do you say... We're not ready yet, yeah. right? It's an interesting right. challenge. I think
1: that's why Jay Bruce and Edwin Encarnacion and those guys are on the team. They're they're, they're, they're be, trade bait on yeah, the way out. They're they're going to be flipped. Yeah. But, uh So, Steve, I, I know you're going to the game tomorrow night. Of this current crop of Seattle Mariners, who's your favorite player?
2: Oh, I mean, I love D. Gordon just with, with kind of like how scrappy he is. Yeah. Uh, and I mean Vogelbach. You, talking about the home runs in the offense, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know the the numbers of, you know, where the Mariners averaged with home runs uh, in the past, but I, it, it's just crazy, like, you, you never expect the Mariners to kind of be this, like, home run hitting team, and yeah. so, um, it's just awesome to kind of, like, see that come out of nowhere and be like, yeah. wow, this is, it's exciting, home runs are always exciting.
1: Yeah. Daniel Vogelback, our large adult child. <laughs> he he is he is a fun player to watch. He's just so unassuming, and he's got a great eye. Um, I I think his OPS is like up there at it's it's on pace to beat Griffey's best year, right. and that that's not going to continue. Yeah, that's not PA. sustainable. But yeah. it's fun to watch uh, so far, and. Uh, yeah i i love mitch Haniger as well i i saw him in spring training last year and just said wow thank you jerry depoto this was a good trade this this young guy is going to be good for a couple years to come yeah, here.
0: i remember you talking about him last year several yeah. times so
1: um great player one of my favorites as well and d and gordon i agree with you there steve that guy is just uh, pure energy and uh his spirit and uh ability to inspire his teammates is is off the charts so uh i agree with you there he's one of my favorites as well
0: d's little brother uh, nick is on the twins uh in the twins farm system
1: okay uh he's uh he's
0: a mid middle fielder and they're trying to decide whether he came up as they they drafted him as a shortstop yeah uh and they're, they're thinking maybe second base but they're they don't think he has the arm and, and the range to play shortstop in the yep. majors, so they're trying to think about it a little bit.
1: So, Steve, uh, uh, Mike's a Twins fan. He always has to try to get the <laughs> Twins in the conversation at some point. So, there we go. We had our obligatory uh, Twins talk. But uh, um, hey, they're in <laughs> first place yet. You know they're they, th- they are. I know. Yeah. We we could be on a collision course here, the Twins and yeah. the Mariners, yep. and uh, yeah, uh, we'll see how that goes. But. Uh, um, you know, it's really nice, Steve, that you're able to kind of take the whole group out for a game uh, sometime over the course of the summer. Um, h- how many of your folks usually go to that game?
2: Uh, I mean, we we bring everybody, so we've got nine nine employees right now. There's awesome. five full time and four part time, and yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll look for like a Monday or Tuesday game when we're when we're closed, and uh, yeah. And you know, it's it's the middle of the summer, so they're getting our staffs just getting slammed from uh, visitors and tourists, you know, in the city. Um, our production is you know at capacity, so everyone's so busy. So it's always a good little break to go to the ballpark.
1: Yeah,
0: we have uh, we have uh, we don't have season tickets. We have about tickets to about 20 games that we uh, kind of do a lottery for our employees. That want to go and then like there's a couple games a week or something like that when they're in town yeah it's pretty fun people really enjoy getting over or a little over two hours away from from the stadium but it's a lot of fun and people enjoy
1: getting over nothing
0: like live baseball
1: yeah that's true so, Mike, uh, you've just uh, got back from a trip. You've done a little bit of traveling around the world. It was Asia, truly and around Europe. the world. Yeah, no, um, I uh, I don't <laughs> don't think you got to see any baseball uh, games in Vietnam or in. No, uh, I was in, in, uh, in Europe, I was in
0: Taiwan, then Vietnam, then Thailand, then Switzerland, Belgium, uh, the Netherlands, and back home. So. It, Really was around the world. No so, wonder
1: your eye- eyelids are drooping a little bit. Oh right gosh, now. I'm, I'm. Wow. You
0: know, I, I went to sleep last night at uh, like 7:30 and woke up at three. So, Steve's beer is keeping me awake for a little while. I know as soon as I get home, though, I'm going to be crashing. So, but no, it was a good trip. Uh, you know, part. You know, obviously, it's to go out and see customers and kind of get a sense of what's going on uh, in the in the hot market. And uh, I think. Uh, the thing we we continue to see in, in Asia is uh, is uh, growing uh, uh, preference and demand for American style craft beers, but obviously with a little bit of an Asian influence. And mm-hmm. so, within that, are uh, for example in Taiwan they're making some really good IPAs that are sort of West Coast IPA style, but then they add in elements of some local fruits. And so. Uh, a smoked plum or a little bit of a guava you know just a hint of that and uh, in fact on the airplane ride over on the air i was on eva airlines which is a taiwanese carrier and they had a, a jasmine t-ipa and it was just a hint of it it mm. was just a hint you know it was still it was more of a pale ale not an ipa i'm sorry but it, but it was very nicely done and and they're they're figuring out how to put just that little bit of an element and, and, and people have been in japan you know yuzu which is a citrus fruit, you know, has been popular there in Vietnam. They're using dragon fruit, you know, and, mm-hmm. and and I love it, right, because it's all about making really good beer, but still making it localized. And I'm yeah. sure, Steve, you can appreciate that. And I don't know if you've ever been over, you've had any collab opportunities, but um, a, a lot of people, it, and it's a heavy American influence, and it's really it's really exciting to see that take off. And it's part of, uh, in a lot of ways, the same thing that makes craft popular here. It's uh, localized brew pubs in neighborhoods, but just, you know, w- with local characteristics, right? Sure. And it's so much fun to see.
1: And yeah. uh, Steve, that's got to be inspiring to you to know that the work that you've done here, being part of the American craft movement, has really inspired the world to get creative with their... Uh, their beers and their brewing, and uh, uh, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Our, it, it's it's got to be satisfying yeah, to see just, that kind of resonate with the global uh, craft uh, movement.
2: It, I mean, it's wild with how fa- like how fast the information travels and the styles and the interest in these styles, yep. you know, makes its way around the world. Uh, we've done a collab and. we've with a brewer in china we went out there for a beer festival and we've we've met uh some brewers from taiwan too i know i don't know if you have into taihu at all down yeah, that's, there that's
0: who made that jasmine uh, a pale ale exactly yeah they're they're one of my favorite brewers right now they are winnie she is so creative on the beer she's making right now so that's... yes yeah,
2: she's a fantastic brewer
0: yep um
2: like yeah, I mean, and so even the the thing, uh, the most interesting thing for me in China when we, when we were over there was was you know how they were getting these American hops because that's still kind of this gray area it seems like, especially the small craft brewers over there, you know, and rubbing some of the quality of hops, and you are like, oh my god, like
0: these these are these smell fantastic, like I you know
2: I don't know how how you got them. You know
0: and where you got them from well but, we're, if they're uh, an chief we're working on it yeah. steve we've got a warehouse in uh, in shenzhen and uh we're pushing hard you know like you know it's uh it's not easy and uh but it, it's it's one of our fastest parts of our business is is throughout asia including china as and you know we're, we've been holding technical um meetings with brewers over there and just kind of talking about stuff and. The interest and the, the passion for, for making these beers is fantastic. It's so it's it's fun to be a part of.
1: Yeah, that's really that's awesome. our that's our mission in life is to help you guys make great beer. And everything we do. We uh, as we mentioned earlier, we had one of our monthly green chief meetings here at Varietal here this afternoon talking about corporate social responsibility and the fact that uh, a lot of your consumers, Steve, uh, really want to hear the stories behind the raw materials that go into their beer. And uh, we want them to be able to know that uh, what we're doing is uh, responsible. It's uh, geared towards healthy communities. It's geared towards uh, a healthy planet, and uh, at the ultimate uh, goal is to help you guys uh, uh Tell a good story and, and make great beer. And you've certainly done that with uh, the beers that we're tasting here today. Oh well
2: thank you so much. I mean that we're we're so lucky just to only be, you know, two hours from where all of you are growing amazing hops. I mean we really we really realize how lucky we are, especially when fresh hop season comes around and you know not everyone can, can make the trip out there twice a week for six months to, I mean, for six weeks, so 12 trips total, it's like, it's heaven for us as brewers, you know, a lot of people, I think, craft beer in general, a lot of people just kind of romanticize the craft brewing industry, you know, and they say, oh, how cool would that be to own a a brewery and make my own beer, but as brewers, (laughs) we romanticize the hop growers. Yeah. be like, oh, how awesome is this? We get to go out to the farms and actually talk to people that are growing the most important ingredients that we're using. So. Yeah.
0: Well, we're having fun, too, today. The background noise is because, like we said at the beginning, we're at Varietal Brewing here in Sunnyside, and uh, these are our friends, uh, you know, uh, these people that have opened up this uh, new brewery here last year. Uh, they're, they're all part of being in the heart of the Yakima Valley and making great beer and doing what you're doing steve and trying to to really be part of the local community and like they did they opened up uh, their brewery to us today to bring in our growers and talk about hops and corporate uh, social responsibility but it's it's a lot of fun to be part of this and uh, it's great to see uh, um, yourselves doing so well and making good beer and being comfortable doing what you're doing and and having fun doing it that's that's the key right Well, that that reaches the end of our uh, podcast. Uh, Steve, thanks very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Steve Carpenter, uh, get out and enjoy a a nice weekend here. We've got some beautiful weather. We've got some baseball to watch in between doing a little bit of yard work. At least I know I've got to do some yard work.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, Steve. And and whether you're uh, watching the Seattle Mariners or making beer, we wish you nothing but good hops.
2: Oh, uh, thank you so much yeah. for having me on the show.
1: And, hey, go Ams. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's sweep these M's. Rangers. Help us out tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> we need it. We'll, we'll be cheering hard. All right. Thanks, Steve. Have a good one. Yeah, take care.